but I think we've disguised that the Bible used the words good news. And most people, I think all people want good news. So what I've come to learn is that a lot of my process in evangelism is learning the person I'm talking to, taking what I know about Jesus and asking myself, what do I know about Jesus that would be good news for this person? So it changes where I start with the good news a lot of times, uh, but it doesn't change the message when we get to the end, right? Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Listeners, what a strange time to be living in. Very unsettling. I know many of us are isolated, self-quarantined, finding new normal. And so I'm glad to be with you virtually today. My guest is Matt Michelotis, who works with Crew City. And we're talking about his book, Good News for a Change. It's an evangelism book, and it's all about contextualizing the good news so that it's good news for anyone we might find ourselves speaking with. Enjoy the show. Matt Michelotis, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm self-quarantined. But <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's not a very unusual thing for me to be, you know, working from home, recording uh-huh. a podcast over my computer. It is unusual for my kids to not be at school, but yeah, we live on a cul-de-sac. There's a basketball hoop in front of my house, and it's been beautiful here in the Pacific Northwest. Oh man, didn't you get snow the last couple of days? Yeah, we did, but only for like a minute and it was really relaxing and Oh, nice. What did you guys get a lot? I mean, not it's not like we couldn't get out of the house or anything, but yeah. In fact, we still have a little bit in our front yard right now. What? Yeah. You're a little bit higher or something? I don't know. Further north, I guess. <laughs> huh. Listeners, I'm in. I'm outside Portland, Oregon, and Matt lives in Vancouver, Washington, right across yeah, the Columbia what? River. What do you think, 10 miles north of you or something like that? It's really not 12. that far, but as the crow flies. But, it, I mean, traffic, it just takes, like, forever, an eternity to get. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's so, another state. I, well, it is. The river. I know, and... But maybe there's no traffic right now because no one's going to work, or hopefully no one's going to work. Government uh, workers. Yeah, that could be work. true. I I took my 17 year old. She's home right now because of coronavirus. Uh, took her out to practice driving today, and it was a there were fewer cars out there, so that was good for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. So she doesn't have her license yet. Yeah. So she moved out of the house when she was 15 because of uh, dance and she was living with another family and now she's 17 uh, but uh, has never lived home long enough to get her hours for driving or to take the driver's instruction stuff so she's still a little ways out from getting her her license yeah I mean gone are the days when you just like immediately wanted to get your license right Oh, man, my oldest did not want one at all and was really angry about us making her get one. <laughs> uh, and my 17-year-old today said, this is why I have to live in a big city. I need public transportation. I can't be driving everywhere all the time. Yeah, well, but now with, you know, new pandemic realities, maybe you do need to know how to drive a car. Well, that's true. It, 
probably, yeah, packing into a subway is not the smartest idea right now. Yeah. Well, Matt, I've been reading, rereading one of my favorite books of yours, Good News for a Change, your yeah. evangelism book. Right. I, I love it. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Tell us more about um, why you wrote this book. Yeah, why you wrote this book. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times when I interact with people about evangelism in the church uh, or, or even in crew, that there's this, that there's kind of dueling things going on. There's a guilt sometimes, less so in crew probably, but in the church there's this guilt like, oh, this is this thing I know I should be doing uh, and I feel bad that I'm not doing it. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is these... Uh, this feeling of fear about evangelism because I have to have this really hard conversation where I'm going to say horrible things to people and they might not like it. Uh, and I was looking at those things and I said, gosh, I don't feel like either of those things are true about the way the Bible talks about evangelism, that it's not about guilt and it's not about fear or even saying things that people hate to them. To, uh, to the people you're talking to. So I was talking with some people about it and said, you know, I'd really like to use some of my experience in crew, some of my experience in ministry, and just share some other thoughts on what scripture says about this. So that's how we started. And then my publisher said, uh, do you think, so it's Nav Press. He said, do you think we could write this in a way that it would specifically speak to millennials? Uh, and I said, sure. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So what's cool is all the other people who worked on the book, my editor, uh, the people who made the cover, uh, pretty much everyone was a millennial. So that was really fun that we spent a lot of time making sure the language that we were speaking in the book was uh, maybe a little different than some of our evangelism books in other generations. And I'm Gen X, right? So I needed, I needed a little translation help now and then. Um, but that, yeah, that was the idea behind the book. In the introduction, you said, the point of this book is to talk about ways we can more fully participate with God in the beautiful yeah. work of bringing human beings back into the loving embrace of the one who made them. So I love that idea of we are participating with work that God is already doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting in uh, what... One of the reasons we a lot of times speak the gospel the way that we do with a lot of religious words and jargon uh, is because we're really nervous that we're going to mess up the truth of the good news in some way. And so we work hard to protect the truth of the gospel, which is not bad. It's good. Uh, but what we do is that we trust that the Holy Spirit is then going to translate those difficult to understand concepts so that the person can understand it, which he does, he will. And God does what God wants, right? Uh, but part of what I'm saying when I'm saying let's participate more fully is that I believe Christ invites us into that translation process too. That in the same way that we can trust God to translate things, we can also trust God to protect the truth of what we're saying. And that it's okay for us to try new words 
uh, new approaches, new kind of ways of saying things uh, to see if we can make it clearer to people when we first say it and trust that the Holy Spirit can do the translation, but also the protection of the truth too. So that's what I say when I'm saying, hey, let's, let's participate more. That's what I'm thinking is like the whole process, not just speaking the words and trusting God to make it clear, but like participating with God in our communication to make it clear. I think the title of the book also catches or captures something really important. And that is just the idea of the gospel being good news, which is actually euangelion means good news, right? Yeah, that's right. So the Greek word that we translate most of the time as gospel is good news. And you spend a lot of time talking about this idea. Are we communicating the gospel message in a way that's good news for the person we're speaking to. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting for many of us. uh, So I grew up in a context where this was true. Uh, If you grew up in some context that saw Christian culture being in consistent conflict with the culture around you, that you may have been taught me uh, on purpose or not on purpose that evangelism is the process of saying really hard things that people will hate uh, and that often the response will be that people won't listen to you, that they'll dislike it because the gospel is hard. And is that sometimes true? Sure. Yeah, I think it is. But I think we've disguised that the Bible used the words good news. And most people, I think all people, want good news. So what I've come to learn is that a lot of my process in evangelism is learning the person I'm talking to, taking what I know about Jesus and asking myself, what do I know about Jesus that would be good news for this person? So it changes where I start with the good news a lot of times, uh, but it doesn't change the message when we get to the end, right? Uh, So let's see, what would be a good example? Oh, yeah. Um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's the good news. Absolutely. Would I say that to someone, I'm in the hospital and someone's just lost their child? Probably not where I'm going to start. Uh, not because it's not true, it's still true. And for some people, it's a comforting thought in that moment. And for others, it would be a really damaging, hurtful thought that would bring them to questions about, if God loves me, why would God allow this? If God has a good plan, are you saying part of the good plan is my child dying? And depending on your theology, right, you you have an answer for that of some sort. Uh, but is that the best place to talk about the good news of Jesus in that moment? But depends on the individual, but I think probably not. So I might start somewhere like um, God did not create human beings for death or uh, Jesus mourns with those who mourn or God too is saddened by the state of the world and desires it to be different. These are all things uh, or, or even even it could be moving it even closer to say the good news could literally just be me being with that person and mourning with them and representing Christ in that moment. Uh, It could be that in that moment, words are not the first place that the good news is going to break in. Uh, Or it could be praying for that. There's so many different places it could be that it just depends on the person in the moment. Does that, and again, that doesn't mean good news, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I still believe that's true. Absolutely. It's just not going to be point one 
in this particular approach. And just to be clear, I should say this, by the way, there are people in crew, there's, you know, a fight about which tools are good and which tools are bad. And does, uh, does the knowing God personally booklet work? Yeah, absolutely. It works. And, you know, Sam and I, we live in the Northwest, which is, you know, the crazy out there disconnected from spiritual things, kind of wild west of spiritual life in the United States. It works here. It does. I've seen people come to Christ using it um, because it's the good news and the Holy Spirit speaks through it. So is it always the best tool? No, no, of course not. What tool is always the best tool? I mean, the Bible, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, so all that to say, uh, my approach, the first place I start is I think there's always good news for every person and everyone wants good news. So why not start with the thing they'll be excited about and that they'll want to talk more about? I loved that you had a whole chapter on listening, mm-hmm. partly because you were plugging my podcast, basically. This is the listener. <laughs> this is a commercial right now. You're listening to the listener podcast. Yeah. And it's because I, too, think that one of the most important things any human being can do for another human being is to listen before we mm. speak. And mm. it really is that sort of window into the soul. If you listen, then a lot of times the person you're listening to will give you clues as to what good news they're needing or searching for. Right, right, for sure. And that's where it's, yeah, it's hard to contextualize the good news to an individual if you don't know anything about them. Uh, I I tell in the book this story where uh, when I was in college, somebody came to my room, another college student, wasn't a crew staff person or anything. uh, And I opened the door. He didn't ask me my name. He didn't tell me his name. He just said, you need to stop smoking pot, sleeping with your girlfriend and come to Jesus. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because one, I wasn't smoking pot. And two, my girlfriend lived like eight hours away. I'm trying to explain this to him. And he was basically, he wouldn't have any of it. He's like, no, man, don't try to get out of this. I know you stop smoking pot, stop sleeping with your girlfriend, come to Jesus. And it just went back and forth and still hadn't told me his name or asked my name or anything. And then finally, I I just told him, I'm a Christian. And he just gave me this big hug. He was like, brother. And I was like, wow, you're the worst. Like, I would, if I was a non-believer, I would have hated every, I mean, I didn't love it as a Christian. Uh, But yeah, that inability to listen at all. And that's an extreme example, I hope, right? Um, Did that kid lead people to Christ? I mean, probably. Uh, But I do think listening, that's, that's that full participation piece, right? Like, let's get to know these people that God loves get into their lives, what would be the message of good news that Jesus has for them, you know? Yeah, and in the listening chapter, another thing that you said that I love is God isn't going to lose track of this person. I think sometimes, right. you know, it can we can feel res- completely responsible for another human being's entire life journey. Mm-hmm. But really, mm-hmm. we are just moving through each other's lives on the way somewhere. And God is big enough to handle anything that we think might've been a mistake in our gospel presentation or some, Oh, I forgot to say this or that, or maybe I should have done this or that. It's like, God's got it. Right. Absolutely. And I think we see these moments where we're in someone's life for two hours, right. Sitting on an airplane 
And that's where that guilt can come in for some of us. Like, oh man, I'm so tired and I just want to watch whatever, some Brooklyn Nine-Nine on this flight. And then you're like, but this person's eternal soul is at stake. So I guess I need to get to know them and have a conversation. And that's good. That's beautiful. Uh, And I've done that, right? But also, I don't need to think that if I don't speak up in this moment, there's no chance this person is going to come to Jesus. One, you don't know that. And uh, God is in charge. God's in conversation with these folks. And it might be a believer sitting next to you. You don't even know. It might be a support raising opportunity that you're missing by doing Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Who knows? Um, All that to say, I don't think you need to feel guilty in those moments. Clearly, if the Holy Spirit is like, hey, what's wrong with you? Talk to that person. That's a different story. Uh, But I think if you spend your whole life feeling guilty about every person you interact with, one, you're going to have an unhealthy life because you're not going to have boundaries. You're not going to take a Sabbath. Uh, But yeah, I think it's important uh, to remember that we're not doing evangelism by ourselves, that God is also doing, this is a, we're participating with God. So we don't need to get stressed out about exactly, we, we always want to be doing better, but we don't need to get stressed out about, did I do it right or wrong? Because the Holy Spirit can use what you brought uh, to bring people to himself. And I, I, I tell college students this, I have two friends, families, actually two families that came to Christ because cults knocked on their door and they misunderstood what the cults were saying. So one of the families showed up at a cult church service that next week, and they're like, oh, this is not what I thought you were saying. I thought you were saying this other thing, uh, which was the actual gospel. And they went to an evangelical church, and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is what I thought it was. So you can't get more messed up than a cult preaching to you, right? Uh, And yet the Holy Spirit used that to draw someone to themselves. And I think with us, with good intention, trying to talk to people about Jesus, trying to share the truth, uh, that we can trust the Holy Spirit uh, is going to take what we bring and do something beautiful with it. I mean, we need to go back to watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine on a plane only because what is an (laughs) airplane? Is that a thing from 2019 that people used to travel around (laughs) on before pandemics? Yeah. You're but really, to use those anymore. you're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm watching Love is Blind. But it doesn't matter. The, the <laughs> show you're watching doesn't Sam, matter. I would like to tell you the good news about Jesus if you're watching Love is Blind. Yeah, no, what is kidding. it? What do you think it is to me? So many of my friends are watching that show. Well, do you know they're, they're dating in pods? So it's as if they're right, quarantined. They it's crazy. <laughs> They knew what was coming. (laughs) This is how we have to date now. Oh my gosh. I literally, I have a Facebook like private message thread with like five or six of my friends and four of them maybe were watching Love is Blind and I swear for three days, it was just them going back about, back and forth about Love is is Blind. I was like, wow, intense. Have you finished it already? Oh, I haven't binged a TV show in a long time until Love is Blind. And then, but, (laughs) well, and I have to admit, okay, we're all, we're self-quarantined. Now we're watching Cheer. I I don't know if you're familiar with Cheer. Yeah. My daughter, um, my 10-year-old, you know, is on quarantine here at home. And uh, we're not doing full-on homeschooling or anything, but her, uh, 
her job for today was learn how to make a cake by herself and clean up after herself. So she just delivered life skills. She just delivered a piece of cake to me. Was it Micah? And it's delicious. Yeah, it was Micah. Micah baked the cake. Good for her. Mm-hmm. You know who's not going out of business during the coronavirus? Mm. Netflix. Oh, that's true. Come on. It's Netflix. true. Uh, you, you know, actually, this is a good example, Sam. When there's upheaval in our society, and so there's some of us that, like, this is not that much different than our regular jobs. We're still going to get money coming in. We can still do our work. Um, and the big thing is, uh, it's inconvenient, or I don't, I'm not able to see my friends, or, and I don't know if everyone listening is in the same place, but on the West Coast here, particularly in the Portland area, all our restaurants are closed. Uh, well, actually, where I am, they're all closed. They're not closed yet. Where, where you are, are they, Sam? No, not yet. So our restaurants are all closed. The only things open, uh, well, you can order takeout at a few places, grocery stores and places to buy medicine are still open, but like literally everything else is closed. So there's a bunch of people who live paycheck to paycheck who don't have work now. There are people who are at risk uh, health-wise who are scared and set apart, and some of them are sick already, especially as you start getting up towards Seattle. Um, it's hard to get clear information. All these things are happening. So there are people who are in danger of their health. There are people who are in danger financially. There are people who are unhappy or frustrated or scared or angry or people who don't believe the whole thing. I mean, that's still happening. Not much in this area, but elsewhere. Um, and in the midst of that, I, I can ask that same question, right? What do I know about people in this situation right now? And then what do I know about Jesus that's good? That might be good news for them. And uh, I look at, uh, you know, we have friends that I've been seeing them doing things like they're offering to go get groceries for people who are uh, immunocompromised or have respiratory issues. Uh, that's really beautiful. And for some people, that's an expression of Christ's love. Others are doing it who aren't Christians. Uh, and, and I think our response as believers in the midst of this can be part of the good news, uh, checking in on people even taking care of them, those sorts of things. Uh, and I've seen people saying, we don't need to be afraid. You know, what's the worst case scenario for a believer um, is that we're with Jesus. So there, there's a lot of different things there, but there's a lot of opportunity to kind of show or share the good news with people in the midst of it. And as our friends are in crisis, talking to them, helping them, uh, you know, our friends who don't know Jesus particularly, you know, that, that brings the good news too. Yeah. I have seen Jesus followers and people who don't identify as a Jesus follower doing mm -hmm. generous, loving, kind things for people in my community. And it's, I always understand that as good news in a way because those are image bearers. I mean, they're doing, right. they're doing right. Christ-like things and yeah. human beings can't help but do those things because... Yeah. We're all made in God's image. Yeah, that's right. And I think even the, yeah, even as you're saying that, right, that respect for, uh, it, it shows the inherent worth of other human beings too. 
And I think that's really beautiful. And that is a true thing that scripture is really clear about. And we can be honest about that too and say like, I believe every human life has value. And that's why we need to do things like I'm being inconvenienced to protect the life of another person that God made. Even though I'm not at risk, my kids aren't at risk, you know? Uh, we're healthy people with no respiratory issues. We're going to be fine. But there are a bunch of other people that my neighbor across the street has severe respiratory issues and he's in the highest risk demographic age-wise. We need to be really careful in our neighborhood to take care of him, right? And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's, It's the good news. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity in moments like this to to show people what it means to be followers of Jesus. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Matt, I told you before we started recording, I'm going to tell listeners, um, Darren and I are trying to think of ways to communicate with and serve our ministry partners, our friends in the community, our small groups through our churches, you know, that our pastors minister to. So one thing we're doing is we're using your book and we're telling Mm -hmm. people about it and offering to either take them through the book virtually or sign them up with a time to go through the book with you virtually. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people have time on their hands. They want human interaction, even if it's over a computer. Like we all want to connect with other people. And we also, it's just the perfect time to think about the good news and how we translate it to the people around us. So I know that you are thinking of doing something too virtually on workplace surrounding this book. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, Sam, our conversation was really helpful. I've had other staff saying, Oh man, I can't get on campus now, or I can't go minister in my context in the way I typically do. And it's a great time to spend some time, Uh, on self-development. And and I think that's really wise, actually. There are some things we can do from a distance. It's smart and strategic to think about how we do those things. But also, uh, my experience of crew staff is we're pretty slow to take care of ourselves and our own needs. Uh, And self-development is a piece of that. So one of the things I've been thinking about, a way I can serve, I hope, the greater crew community is to take some of this content and do for a series of weeks, uh, just kind of a probably three or four weeks, I haven't decided exactly, do some live time on uh, on workplace where I could present a little bit of material from one of, you know, a chapter of the book. And then we could talk some about it. What does this mean? What are the ramifications of it? Do you agree or disagree? Uh, and what, what does this mean in ministry? Specifically for us in a crew context, which is going to be really different than a pastor, let's say. Oh, I mean, not that we don't have pastors on staff, but you know what I mean. Uh, and then just have time to kind of hash it out together, talk about it. I think probably where I'll start is with some things related to what is the gospel? What is our understanding of the gospel, meaning the universal good gospel, the gospel according to scripture? And then we'll talk some uh, about our personal gospel, which, you know, is the the good news that is really specific to me individually. There are things about Jesus and God, what Jesus has done in my life that's different than what he's done in Sam's life. Uh, 
So how do we use that as we're talking to people about the gospel? And then even what's the good news to people around us, which is this question of um, my atheist friends and my Buddhist friends uh, might find different things about Jesus really compelling than the other does. And that's good. That's okay. So how do we start there with good news for them? And then I think some just really specific things. How do we remove words uh, like jargon from our conversations and use the words of the people we're interacting with? Uh, how do we do that? What is the process? How do we become aware of our blind spots in those? Because we, we all have them. Uh, and I think, too, maybe some content related to what it looks like to work together with Jesus in evangelism. Uh, I think we can fall in extremes in a lot of these things. So sometimes we fall in the extreme of like, I'm just going to do it myself. I kind of have my presentation. Here's what I do. I don't need to pray. And not on purpose, right? Just kind of slip into it, go do my gospel presentation. Uh, and then on the flip side, there's the like, let go and let God, where you're like, um, I said Jesus within 10 feet of that table and I'll trust the Holy Spirit to just kind of take it from there. What? You said God uh, could use that, Matt. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, Sam led 14 people to Christ by just, she dropped I something think. near the table. I just said And Jesus. she said, God bless me. <laughs> yep, it was amazing. Um, but I think how do we get to that middle place of saying like, I'm going to do my absolute best. I'm going to interact with these people in the way that I believe the Holy Spirit is and uh, participate through the whole process, which... Uh, just takes time to sit and think about and uh, pray about. And I think my experience is it's often different for different groups of people or even different individuals. So maybe some conversation about some underlying principles that are true regardless of who we're speaking to and how we can stay kind of tethered to those things as we're changing our approach with various individuals. That's great. So if you're listening and you are on staff with crew and have access to workplace, our internal social media, uh, this is, Matt's going to launch this next week, which, so Tuesday ish, the, what day is that? 16 plus seven, the 23rd. (laughs) Yes, I believe that's correct. <laughs> okay, but Math is not my strongest thing. Yeah, so we don't know exactly where it's going to be on Workplace, but if you go on the platform and just search Matt Michalatis, you'll find him and his latest posts, and then you'll find wherever he's going to be putting this video. If you're not, if you don't work for Crew and you're listening to this, but you want this kind of training, then please uh, email me at samantha.holland at crew.org or Matt, Matt dot m-i-k-a-l-a-t-o-s at crew.org. Wow, you did it. I know. I sure for a minute there. I looked at the front of the book to make sure that I was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how long have I known you and I can't, I won't, but anyway, I just want to get it right. Okay. So basically yeah, what we're trying to say is this is just a cool opportunity we want to give to you if you're looking for ways to resource people around you. Uh, let me say this too. I, I think for some of our crew staff, you might be going like, I've done so much evangelism training or I'm really uh, gifted in evangelism or do a lot of evangelism. Why would this be helpful for me? Um, I, I'll say two things. One is 
uh, hey, maybe we need you to come on these calls because of your expertise, not to learn, but to help us as we're learning. That could totally be. And then I think the second thing I would say is uh, it helps to hear people from different contexts sometimes. So me going to, uh, oh, I don't know, Little Rock, I, I have cultural learning to do when I walk into a place like Little Rock because it's just outside of my experience. And I need to learn things about how to talk about Jesus to a non-believer there in a way that's compelling. And I think uh, Portland is a really unique place that we have, uh, for some of you, where you are culturally, you're on the path of Portland. You're going to be here in five years, 10 years, 15 years, uh, as culture is shifting this direction. So there might just be some things for future thought that might be helpful in the midst of that. And let me just say, I hear all the time about how the Northwest, no one comes to Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I've led five people to Christ in the last two months uh, in one-on-one conversations. One of them was a youth pastor, uh, so which is weird, right? Um, but all that to say, people people want good news. And I believe even in the more difficult places that people uh, desire to hear about Jesus and there are people always that Jesus is already in conversation with, that we have the honor of coming alongside and participating for a short time, at least, in their journey toward Christ. Um, at the same time, just say, like, I have a friend that we've been friends for 25 years. He's an atheist and has been ever since I've known him. We had our first significant spiritual conversation this last year. Um not because, you know, it's never been an option or it's never been brought up, but because that's how long it took for us to get to the place as friends that we could have a safe conversation about that. And that's okay too. So all that to say, I think um, there's plenty of space always for us and crew to continue to grow and learn from each other uh, about these things. And for the people who aren't with crew who listen to the podcast, uh, yeah, I'd be thrilled to participate with you in talking more about this. And a big part of what I hope to do when we talk about evangelism is that at the end of our conversations, you should walk away with a handful of things. One is with uh, the certainty that you could talk to literally anyone about Jesus and that it wouldn't be a bad conversation. It would be one where your friend would call you up and say, hey, I want to talk some more about what we talked about the other day. I think that's attainable. Um And then the other is that you wouldn't ever feel guilty about evangelism again. Uh, I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, there's some part of you that desires to be in these conversations and that the guilt is uh, often disguising that. So let's get rid of the guilt and let's move to the place that you'll be having conversations about Jesus because you want to. And it won't be a question of, hey, Brooklyn Nine-Nine sounds better, right? It'll be like, you know what? I really want to get to know this person and tell them about Jesus. I think that's a beautiful and good place. And where actually scripture usually describes uh, followers of Jesus that that's why they're sharing their faith. It's because they have compassion for someone. They know someone. They desire to bring good things to them. So that's the, that, that'd be the target of where we're trying to get with this, with this conversation. And I think that was my number one takeaway after this book was feeling like, all of the incomplete conversations, like, like all the conversations I could think of that I'd had with people where I thought, oh, well, I didn't bring them to a point of decision. Or, you know, I just didn't see any definable 
result in that conversation or whatever was making me feel like I just didn't do it right. I didn't feel bad about it anymore. I started feeling great about all of the tiny little conversations God has brought me into over the years and started really thinking like, I bet God did something with that. You know, like you said in the book, I like, I bet that was a seed that God's watering and bringing other people into that person's life. And yeah, well, we, I know when I was in campus, we talked about this a lot, right? This idea that, um, as, as a staff person on campus, my approach to evangelism, uh, is let's say a survey. Surveys are great. People come to Christ from all the time. Um, when I teach a student, to use surveys to talk to people about Jesus, I'm really encouraging them into a, a artificial relationship when they don't need that. Like they're already in class with these kids. They're already eating in the same cafeteria. They have so much in common. Uh, and I think sometimes that's part of what we need to grow into is just what you're saying, Sam. Like if you're going to be in relationship with someone, say my brother, I'm going to be in relationship of some sort with my brother my whole life, I would hope, Right. So I don't need every time I talk about Jesus to get to a point of decision. Uh, I just need to be in relationship with him longer so that we can have more opportunity to talk about spiritual things so that when we get ready, we can have that part of the conversation. Maybe we had it once a year ago, right? Uh, but we don't. I don't need to call him to ask like, hey, did you get mom a birthday present? And then be like, by the way. Jesus gave us the greatest gift of all. Would you like to receive it? You know, we don't have to do that. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, it might be the right thing sometimes, but you don't have to do it every time. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Got it. Matt, thanks for writing this book and for being willing to give us your time and train us more in how we can grow in presenting the good news in a way that's good news for whoever we're speaking with. We look forward to yeah. this, uh, these can I, conversations. Can I tell you one last story? No. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> I like to tell stories because I think we're, I've been talking about a lot of vague kind of philosophical things. Yeah, go for but it. Here's, here's an example. Recent, recent example. We're having a uh, Christmas white elephant party at a youth group, high school youth group. And uh, it's going great. It's just fun. We're not planning to have a big spiritual conversation. And a kid shows up and he's a little late that I've never seen before. I say to him, hey, do you want to, do you want to, you can take my number and participate in the the gift thing. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want a gift. I was like, oh, why are you here? He goes, I just need to talk to somebody. So he's already really open, right? That he came to church on purpose looking for someone to talk to. So I go off and I chat with him. And his big thing is he's like, you know, he's mid-teens and he can't control his anger. And it's destroying all these things in his life. And he wants to know, is there a way to control my anger? You know, that's a really specific request for good news. And uh, so what we talked about was the power of God to, for transformation. That's what, he didn't want to know about how do I get to heaven. He wanted to know, can I change this really hard thing in my life somehow? So we talked about that, and uh, he was really moved by it. He prayed to receive Christ, actually, on the basis of the good news that I told him, 
yes, God wants to participate with you in transforming your life. He doesn't want you to be an angry person. He wants to help you deal with that and to be a person who's kind, uh, a person who's loving. He's like, that's what I want. That's what I'm asking for. Mm. And I think that's what we're looking for is how do we, how do we find the good news for this individual and help them as a result, come to Jesus. Awesome. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, we'll see you on workplace or coming to some other virtual presentation near us. That's right. To be determined. (laughs) 